0: having a great time with the research.
1: We got to work on new problems. Not a lot of people are holding you to deadlines like they used to, so that's been really hard for me. It was an adjustment to become a student again, but I have a feeling that the most challenging parts are yet to come.
0: I've realized that I've learned a lot and grown a lot as a graduate student. You're listening to Vitamin PhD, a podcast from Boston University delivering career narratives and skills know-how to supplement your doctoral studies. Hey everyone, I'm Rachel Stumpf. I'm a postdoc at Boston University, and I am hosting today's episode of Vitamin PhD, Pathways to Higher Education Administration. Oftentimes when we think about careers in higher education, the first thing that comes to mind is a professor. And the fact is, it takes more than just professors to keep a university running. And you can find PhDs at universities working in areas such as student affairs, institutional research, and administration. On today's episode, we'll be focusing on this last area, higher education administration, by talking with Dr. Sarah Hokanson about her career pathway. Sarah is the assistant provost for professional development and postdoctoral affairs at Boston University. And full disclosure, she is also my boss. So I am particularly excited to learn more about how she got to where she is today. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Let's start with your job title. Assistant Provost for Professional Development and Postdoctoral Affairs is quite a mouthful. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about what your current work entails?
1: Quite a mouthful indeed, but we can break it up into two parts. So the professional development side of my office handles professional development for doctoral students as well as postdoctoral scholars across both of our campuses at Boston University. And the postdoctoral affairs piece is basically everything postdoc, from onboarding new postdocs all the way through to their exit and everything in between. The great thing about my role is it's diversity in tasks. I I could have a day where I'm facilitating a workshop and then meeting one-on-one with a postdoc and then in a meeting about postdoc benefits. So It keeps me on my toes. It's very fun.
0: Yes, that's always nice to have some variety in the workday. Backing up a little bit, I know that um, you earned your PhD in biochemistry and molecular biophysics um, from the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine. So when you first started your PhD program, what was your goal? What kind of career did you envision for yourself at that point in time?
1: It's terrible to admit this, given the role that I just described to you, but I would say that my goals weren't that far out. So I was an undergraduate researcher here at Boston University in the chemistry department in Sean Elliott's group and I really enjoyed the research that I was doing and I just wanted to keep doing research and graduate school was a mechanism for me to be able to do that. So I didn't necessarily have a specific career in mind and I don't think I'm unique in that. I think a lot of graduate students feel that way. But as graduate school went on, I think that was really when I started to think about um, what was next and what I could start doing. And that's where it became a lot more confusing, I would say.
0: Yeah. So once you reached um, the end of your PhD program, how did your career pathway begin?
1: Well, there was this disconnect between all the things I was interested in, or at least at the time, it seemed like I had a lot of very disconnected interests that I was trying to piece together into one job. Uh, And now I have that job. So there's a happy ending in this story. But my research was pretty autonomous, and it gave me a lot of room to explore some of the things that I was really interested in. And I think it was that exploration as a postdoc that led to me being open to applying to careers outside of academia.
0: So during your postdoc, how did you decide what your next step would be after that? And what was that
1: next step? At the time, I used job ads. So I would look at different job ads and then go to the company's website, and I would read about that particular company or the particular job. And I tried to look for the criteria that I was really interested in, which was Involved writing skills, involved doing research of some kind. More than anything, I was just looking for something different. My postdoc research had stalled, so I was successful as an undergrad and continued that success in the lab as a graduate student. But I really struggled as a postdoc. Uh, my experiments didn't go as well as they had previously, and so I was looking to take a different direction by that point. And I found this job at the British Consulate General in Boston, and it seemed pretty exciting it had the writing component it had a strong research component not bench research but policy based research and i think more than anything it was an adventure for someone where i'm from in the middle of nowhere pennsylvania it it felt like this new world a foreign country that i and i had never really traveled internationally so for me there was an escapism to the role also that was very appealing And I interviewed there and immediately clicked with the person that would become my line manager, and I just accepted it. I took a huge leap and went into science policy, not really even sure what the job looked like, but I knew somehow that I would figure it out.
0: Yeah, and so then what was your transition from working at the British Consulate to now working at Boston University?
1: Well, the nice thing about science policy is it gives you a toolbox, or at least it provides you the opportunity to think about your skills as a toolbox because the policy question or the work that you're doing is changing so you might be writing a policy position paper one day or organizing a ministerial visit the next day with senior level government officials but the tools that you apply are the same and so you get very good at thinking about well what do i know about this thing or how do i do research on x and then applying it in different contexts and so for me, that was really exciting because it meant when I was ready to leave the policy world of of jet setting across the country and, and across the pond to the UK, I now had this toolbox and I could think more creatively about what my next career step was. So I didn't necessarily have to think of it as a linear line. For me, I missed academia. I missed that part of who I was. I was lucky at the consulate in getting to work with academics, and I found myself wanting to be part of those conversations again. So I did primarily focus my search on academia, and I think what I was looking for was a job that was like the consulate in the sense that I got to do a lot of different things as part of my day. It served a bigger purpose. It impacted lots of people. And I think I found both of those things in this current role, which has evolved at BU over the last four and a half years, where, as I described earlier, my day looks very different in terms of the tasks that I'm doing. But I have this higher purpose of making sure that graduate students and postdocs not only have a good experience here, but are prepared for their next step. And that's really meaningful for me.
0: Sounds like your experience at the British Consulate definitely Um, helped you develop some skills or um, perhaps connections that have now helped in your current role. Can you talk a little bit about um, maybe other past experiences or resources that were helpful for you uh, when you first started your job at Boston University?
1: BU itself is pretty great at professional development. One of the first things I did was participate in a pilot program called Choose to Manage. And that was helpful because up until that point, I had actually line managed several people at the consulate without having any formalized training in mentoring or management. Again, that's not an uncommon thing. Many graduate students and postdocs don't get formalized training. But for me, it did help me think about how to not just think about my own goals, but how to think about leading a team with where each person has their own goals and how do those goals add together to make the larger goals of the team. and so. That was a really helpful resource for me in building a new office and building a team. And then I think in graduate school, interestingly, one of the most useful resources was being involved in the Penn student government and being the student representative and getting to meet people from disciplines all across the university that were having incredibly different doctoral experiences than the one I was having in my own school in college, which was the School of Medicine and. There's a lot of similarities now in the fact that my role works across the university and the context is really different, and my own experiences don't line up with every single experience that a doctoral student or a postdoc is having, but certainly I at least know how to ask the right questions, and I think being in student government really helped me do that. It it helped me ask questions of my colleagues, well, tell me what that's like, because I don't know what that's like.
0: What do you find most challenging about your work?
1: I think the hardest thing about my job is sometimes hearing the difficult stories. I see many of those personal narratives up front and in person in one-on-one sessions. It's the jo- the part of my job that I didn't necessarily know was going to be part of my job. I naively understood the workshop piece, and I understood the policy piece, and I even understood the the resources piece, but that connection with with the person sitting across the table from you who's going through something incredibly heart-wrenching to them, it's challenging. It's challenging to show up in the right way. And sometimes the right way is just with empathy and and to listen. Sometimes the right way is to take action and to make change. and And knowing when and how to do those things, I think, was a big learning curve for me. And I definitely relied on colleagues in student affairs and in other parts of the university to help mentor me on on how to do that effectively. And so I hope that I get it right. We ask a question of the postdocs on our annual survey every year. If you had 30 minutes with uh, the assistant provost, what would you tell her? What's the one thing you would say? And it's amazing how that question has just blown wide open um, so many things at the university that... Uh, need my help. And I'm delighted that the postdocs continue to share their feedback in that way. But it's, it's a challenge to carry some of those burdens with me each day and, and to figure out how to appropriately make sure that I'm helping them.
0: How do you think about success in your line of work?
1: Well, there's all the metrics that we track around attendance and engagement and who enrolls in benefits and how many times is our website clicked. And Who's listening to this podcast right now? And, and all of those things matter because they demonstrate that our programs are valuable and useful to the people that we're serving. So I don't want to discount those metrics, but I think success also looks like the handwritten card that a postdoc gave me when, you know, they got a job after I helped advise them with their CV. Um, success looks like a faculty member asking for my help to write a mentoring plan so that it supports their postdoc. There are these quantitative successes that I report all the time, but then I think there are just a collection of qualitative successes through the personal relationships that I've built over the years. And I hope that, you know, through this podcast and through other ways of having these sorts of conversations, some of the qualitative comes out because I think that's a really important measure of success in administration how connected you are and it's not something that goes in an annual report necessarily.
0: Yeah so it sounds like that personal connection is part of what makes this work rewarding for you. Are there other things about your job that you find particularly rewarding?
1: Well I really like when I make a good workshop. I think when I know a workshop has landed and you know we've measured that people learn something and we've measured that they've even enjoyed it while they have think that's a really big win and a a nice thing to to feel good about. I also really love the creative projects that we're working right now, shamelessly plugging the podcast, but I'm also involved in a digital media production for postdocs, um, producing online content for their professional development called the Postdoc Academy. And both projects are not something that I ever envisioned myself doing. I've never envisioned myself as a radio star or a, you know, movie celebrity. And yet, over the last few months, I've been wearing headphones and standing in front of cameras. And so I guess what's rewarding about that is just the idea that my job can keep growing and changing and evolving and that it presents new ways for me to challenge myself. And so even though I think this particular step of being assistant provost is going to last for for many years, and I'm not necessarily thinking about what the next rung on the ladder looks like. There are lots of different professional milestones that aren't necessarily promotional related, but sort of challenge accepted related that I find really rewarding and exciting.
0: Yeah, so to wrap up our conversation today, what advice would you give to doctoral students who might be interested in career options within higher education administration?
1: Well, the key parts of my job are communication. So I think communication skills are key. Being able to communicate with many different audiences. So the way I might explain something to the provost or an associate provost might be different than the way that I pitch a workshop to a doctoral student or career advise a postdoc. So knowing your audience and how to formulate the information so that it reaches them is a really important skill in higher education administration. Another one is collaboration. And for me, I'm lucky to have collaborators both outside of BU at many different institutions that are involved in some of the creative projects I talked about, as well as collaborators within the university. And to me, collaborating looks like listening, understanding the person that you're working with and what they can bring to the table and then being able to respond and um, also bring the skills that I have to the table. So I think that teamwork and collaboration piece is not always something that people directly think of when they think of administration, but it's really core to what I do. And then I think the last piece of it is it's a career for people who are really interested in kind of the broader impact at a university, you know, since I've been here, we've created several policies for postdocs. And it's neat to know that something that I worked on affects, you know, hundreds of people at BU in what I hope is a very positive way. So for those that are driven by the greater good and wanting to make impact on a large population of people, I think administration is a really nice way to do that because whether you're working in sponsored programs, helping faculty submit grants, or whether you're working in student affairs where you're creating new programs for students, or even in the provost office um, at the policy and resources level, the work that you do really matters. And, and I think that's a really exciting opportunity. At the same time, I would say that if a doctoral student is a person that necessarily needs like individual validation, administration might not be the best fit. My name's not on that policy. Um, it's called the postdoctoral scholars policy. It's not called the Sarah Hokanson policy. And so I'm sometimes an invisible force behind the things that happen here. And I'm completely okay with that. But there might be some people who like the recognition associated with their work directly. And that's not always possible in administration. If you help someone submit a grant, it's their name on the grant, not your name on the grant. So I think that piece of self-awareness is also important to recognize too.
0: Yeah, and I think what's nice about higher education administration as well is that you kind of have people right there at your university that you can talk to. And hopefully our conversation today um, kind of helps uh, get people started in thinking about informational interviews. But certainly um, to your point about some of the other areas that might be interesting to PhDs, uh, certainly there are people at the university that you could reach out and talk to and maybe learn a little bit more about some of those pathways.
1: Absolutely. And a lot of universities also have internal internships. I know our Office of Technology Development is developing an internship for doctoral students to understand what it's like to work in that particular field. So whether it's reaching out to people like me or whether it's looking for opportunities at your institution, there are probably a lot of different ways to learn about jobs like mine.
0: Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Sarah. It was great learning more about you and your career pathway.
1: Thank you so much for having me.